0: It's much easier to start your book and get four chapters in, but actually plotting, getting to the middle, resolving the issues, giving the reader a satisfying ending, all that is harder than the opening.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Kelly Lumber Podcast. I'm your host, business mentor, personal brand and style expert on a personal mission to inspire a minimum of five people daily to take action and just do something different that they wouldn't normally do. And if you're one of my five a day, then I am super happy and I wanna hear about it. What was it that inspired you? Was it listening to one of these podcasts? Was it something that someone said? I really want to know. So drop a review on one of the platforms that you're listening on, whether that's Spotify, whether that's iTunes or on Stitcher, Or let me know on Instagram, come and say hi. So today I chat to Hayley Doyle from her London home about what it takes to become a best-selling author. Transitioning from life in Dubai, because we had so much to catch up about and I knew her from our Dubai days. Um, She was a business owner here and a radio presenter. And in this honest and open conversation, we both really want you to find inspiration in following your true passion, which writing always was for Hayley. So we really hope you enjoy this and let us know. Welcome to the show, Hayley. Hello, Kelly. Hiya. How's, how's things going? How's, how's London? How's everything? Because you used to live in Dubai. How long were
0: you living in Dubai for? I was in Dubai for about seven years. Yeah. Okay. And then my back and forth a little bit after my, my son was born. So yeah, Dubai is, is my second home. Yeah. Oh, And, and how were you settling into London and how's life there? So in so, so London at the moment, actually, we have a beautiful sunny day. But, you know, even though it's April, I, look, I'm so British, I'm going to talk about the weather now. It <laughs> snowed yesterday. It actually snowed. So a week ago, I was in the park with my kids and it was so hot. We were like, oh my gosh, it's, it's summer. We need to get the sun cream out. Oh, we didn't bring hats for them. And seven days later, no, six days later, I'm going for a little run and it started snowing. It's I actually thought someone someone getting the house renovated down the road. And I thought it was bits of dust. And then I, sk- I kept running. I was like, no, that dust's not, <laughs> not following me all this way. It was snowing. So um, it's lovely and sunny. And I'm up high on a hill. I'm in southeast London and I'm up high on a hill. It's very hilly round here. So it, it is a beautiful day, but it is very cold. Oh, but I just
1: love the thought of, you know, when we don't have seasons in Dubai, like you really do have one wardrobe that... It's oh, for yeah. the whole year where it is you know I miss wearing jackets and <laughs> scarves and layering and all that. Dubai is either hotter or hotter <laughs> isn't it and we're, we're yeah. well on our way to do that now so well yeah. I thought maybe we start with because we have mutual friends and I, we've met before in Dubai uh, many years ago and that was before, that, I think that was when you had your business so maybe just give the listeners a bit of a backstory where you are and what we're going to talk about
0: today. Yeah so when I was in Dubai I actually moved out to teach drama and musical theatre. I used to be an actress in um, in London and Liverpool, where I'm from. Uh, my background's acting and musical theatre. I was on the West End. I did Mamma Mia in London on the West End. And yeah, so when I moved to Dubai, I just wanted a bit of an experience living in a new country. You know, just, um, you know, a lot of the reasons people moved to Dubai, you know, I, I didn't have to have the language barrier there. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. everyone speaks English so well. And, um, I thought I'd just come out for six months, do a bit of teaching and um, get my head a little bit out of the whole audition circuit in London. That was dragging me down a lot. And I ended up setting up my own theatre school in Dubai. And then I became um, a, a speaker on Dubai Eye Radio. I was a host. I used to do entertainment today. I used to do lots of roving reporting. You know, I reported live from the Rugby Sevens, from the Dubai World Cup, from the Tennis all the golf tournaments in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. And, oh, I loved my time at Dubai Eye. And all, all of the time, my theatre school was running and we did shows at the Madinat Theatre, at Duck Tac when it was there, the, the Lit Fest. I had my kids mm-hmm. performing at the Lit Fest. And then I used to do creative writing workshops for kids at the Lit Fest as well, uh, which is amazing. And then I'd report for, from Dubai Eye for there. So, I mean, it was such a different life to the one I'm living right now. And uh, I sometimes look back at my Dubai life, which, you know, it wasn't so long ago and think, did that actually happen? <laughs> Especially with the pandemic that's happened. And all of us are just shut down and life has become very different in ways that we never thought. And I think about Dubai so often now and think, gosh, did that really happen? And I was just yeah. living it at the time. You know? yeah. What I've just described now sounds so incredible. But at the time I was just living it. I was just, you know, getting up and going to work. I was like, Oh, I've got to do radio and my theatre school today. And you just get through it. You just work and then you get home and you order, you know, amazing takeaway. Gosh, I miss the takeaways in Dubai.
1: Although, <laughs> because no, the- it's just okay. they're so readily available. <laughs> I guess one of my questions before we get into the, the part two of your life, which is um, what I want to talk about, is what advice would you give to someone who's transitioning? You know, what, what things have you learned? whether it's Dubai back to UK or UK out to
0: Hong Kong or whatever, what kind of tips yeah. could you give someone? I mean, when I moved to Dubai, um, I, I was in a very, very different situation. You know, I, w- I was single, I was a lot younger and I was stuck in a rut. And it was that thing of a, a small opportunity came around and it was one of those I thought, no. But there was the, the part of me that, it was. Ve- it's very easy to say no, isn't it? It's just it, because we shut down and we just, it's almost like we build up a wall and we, we protect ourselves. If something feels a bit different and a bit scary, our natural reaction is to just go, no. And that's why children always say no to everything, even if they, if it's going to be something that they enjoy. Children, you know, do, do you want to go to this dance class? No, because it's like their defense mechanism, but then they do it and they love it. And that was kind of my thing with moving to Dubai. I was really stuck in a rut. Things weren't going so well in London. And I just thought, why not? I can always come back if I don't. And the thing is, I had nothing to lose then. Mm. Um, So going for it, it was really scary. I didn't know anyone. I'd never driven on that side of the road before. And, you know, I moved into this villa and I didn't know anybody. And it was also scary, but thank goodness I did it. Yeah. But I would say the other way around, when you're transitioning from maybe a big city that you've moved to and you set up a life in and going back, maybe I think what made it easy about moving from Dubai to London was knowing I was moving again to another big multicultural city. Mm -hmm. I wasn't moving back to like my hometown or somewhere that was so different that I was going to, you know, really feel those differences. I think going from Dubai to London was a really nice, smooth transition because, like I said, it was it was fast paced. You know, the city has ambition. Dubai has lots of ambition. It's very multicultural. And um, and the things that I missed about London it was really nice to kind of revisit those when I was you know the things that I missed I knew I was going back to a city full of things that I was looking forward to enjoy once again
1: yeah yeah so I guess from my takeaway from that is um saying yes to things because yeah. you never know where they might lead to do you have you ever done that yes yes thing for with the kids have you seen that oh, wow. you, where you say yes to your kids for the whole day
0: Oh, I haven't because I've seen that. It looks brilliant because there's a whole film about it now, isn't there? Oh, um, I Jennifer haven't the... seen that. But I've just seen it yeah. on YouTube and stuff like that. I think it's because this film just came out on Netflix. That is, you know, and it's about that. The parents have to say yes for the whole day. So it, oh, kids have kind of got, you know, gotten onto that. And it's such a brilliant idea. But my kids are too young. My kids are four and one. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. if I had one, all day, it would basically be them jumping my bed and breaking it and eating chocolate <laughs> all day.
1: So Kinda of sounds well. kind of good if you ask me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when they're I'd love to do it though. It'd be really funny and be really good to film it and see what
1: what kind, yeah. of, what kind of So we've got um, so sort of in that transition is saying yes to things and 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 possibly what I took from that is like for like you know the biggest transition will be where it's so vastly different and then enjoying the re re enjoying the things that you didn't do but I guess kind of and then enjoying the things that you haven't experienced, which I guess kind of goes on to
0: yes. And It was easy to leave in Dubai as well, because I'm a, I'm a super emotional person. You know, I'm, I'm a massive open book. I tell people how I feel all the time. You know, I don't hold anything in. You know, if I need to have an argument with someone, I have to have it. You know, I can't hold it in. And I think when I left Dubai, I think it kind of shocked a lot of my friends that I wasn't emotional about it. I was very ready for the next step. I mean, I was, I was five months pregnant at the time as well. So I knew I, so my head was kind of moving into this whole new world anyway. It was my first um, baby. But my friends, I think were a little bit like, why isn't she sad? You know, this is, you know, we're really sad she's going. And I think it was because I knew I wasn't really going at the time. My business was still going to be in Dubai. So even if it only ran for a few months, I knew I'd be coming out again once my baby was born. And then I knew. so. I never had that day where it was like, goodbye, goodbye, that's it. that I don't, know. I don't know when back. I'm coming back. I know. And that actually happened a couple of years later. And I knew, and I was out there on my own, you know, visiting my business. And it was when I knew the business was going to, it actually came to a very natural mm. end. It just fizzled out, really, um, my theatre school, Haley's Comet. It just kind of got smaller and smaller when I wasn't there, which is, it, you know, and that's natural. the natural thing. Yeah, I was I was the face of the business, and it did really well. And I had gorgeous teachers, um, but they had lots of other things that they were doing as well. And this just came to a very very natural ending. And I knew, and I was out there on my own, and I'd left Dubai for I think it was two years, maybe two and a half years, and I was just there. And I thought, I'm really sad now. And I knew I got on the plane, and I was like, I think the next time I come to Dubai, I'm going to be a tourist, as in a a tourist. Yeah a tourist coming to like look at you know my business or anything I just thought ah, oh, and I haven't been back yet so I hope to come back very soon and see everybody.
1: Watch this space. So yes. part two life is an author so we've gone actress stage school uh sorry, sorry on the stage Mamma Mia we've we've had the school in Dubai
0: and now yes. you have two books. Is that right? I do yes. two novels, fiction fiction novels. They are written for adults now I've always wanted to be a writer, and this actually—it sounds like it's come out of the blue, but it really hasn't. Um, I was writing books or attempting to write books back when I did Mamma Mia, so uh, and even before then, I always had the aspirations of being a writer and a novelist. I think a lot of us do, don't we? We always think it—it it, it looks like such a a sort of whimsical, glamorous life, sort of sitting and writing, which it isn't. We can talk about that in a bit, but. Um, I always wanted to write. And when I was in Mamma Mia, I, when you're in a show like that, it's amazing, but it's very almost robotic because you are, you have to, you have to be on stage and be the same every single night, eight times a week. And, you know, there's a, a lot of people in that audience who've paid a lot of money to watch this show and you have to be on it and it has to be perfect every single time. So as much as, you know, it's the creative arts being on stage. It, didn't, it stopped being creative for me because mm. it was, it, well, it, it was what it You know, you had to just, yeah, you just had to be on it. And um, I would get home from the theatre and I'd be buzzing and, you know, the adrenaline and I, I wouldn't be tired. So my body clock was in a very different place to um, say that my, my housemates in London. And I would write into the night And that's kind of my creative outlet. And I started putting some chapters together. And when I had something quite solid, I asked my cast members if they would have a read and tell me what they thought. And the response was incredible. They were so supportive and so brilliant. And I got such a buzz out of that and thought this might be where I want to head. So I actually did a master's. I applied to do a master's in creative writing. And I was doing that as I was auditioning and that's sort of when that ended, that's when the Dubai job came up. And mm-hmm. so when I moved to Dubai, I moved to Dubai to teach drama and musical theatre with the thought of continuing to write because I had this dream of being a published author. Yeah. So it was always there. It's just, you know, full time jobs take over, life takes over. And sometimes, I, you know, I, just, I had a full time job. I didn't have the time to sit and write my book, but I would try it as much as I could. And I ended up getting myself a literary agent. And then, things slowly started to head in the right direction of becoming published.
1: Mm. So where, where did the idea come from, the first one? So give us a bit of a
0: backstory and then the second one. So the first book is, so Never Saw You Coming uh, was actually, it's not actually the first book I've ever written. It was the fourth book. So even mm-hmm. though it's the first book that i published. So I had the first book that I wrote in the Mamma Mia days. Yes. Then I wrote a book during my master's. Which so just One minute,
1: did the did the one that you gave to your friends did that ever get pub that wasn't published so these were no,
0: I self published it
1: I did oh, self publish
0: only- Yeah 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 and I but I didn't do any I, I didn't understand how to market things or anything you know I I just kind of and it was when self publishing just started Yeah it's not like it is now so I just kind of you know put it out there it was on I think it was on Amazon Yeah and I think all my friends and family bought it And then I didn't really know what else to do from that point. So it just, I'm glad it never got published professionally because I think um, when you're a writer, there's a a lot that you need to get out of yourself before you can then start writing just true fiction. As in, there's always, there's always a lot of yourself in your writing to make it honest. Mm -hmm. So I think you need, I think you do need to write a couple of books first to almost get all that autobiographical stuff out. And then you've got time to breathe. Then you can start you know, to skills from what you've learned. Yeah. So there was that book. Then there was the book I did during my master's, which I secured me a literary agent. And we tried to sell that to publishers. And we just got lots of very, very lovely rejections. <laughs> so, uh, it was, they were the nicest rejections ever, but they were rejections. It was, a, it was quite a hard fit for the market at the time. Um, so I then wrote another one. And at this point, my agent said to me, I really like this one. And we'd worked together a lot on it. And in that time, she went off and had a baby, went on maternity leave. And as she came back, I was then having my son and moving from Dubai and the whole transition thing. And we just had a bit of a breather. And when we revisited this third book, she said to me, this is great. I really like it. You've got some great characters here. And I could, hear, I could sense a butt coming. <laughs> just think you've got a better one in you. And I wasn't upset by that because she you could see she was like, oh my God, I'm really going to upset her now. She was really scared to say this to me, especially I would just had a baby, so my hormones were all over the place. And I said to her, I, I agree with you. I just, I, I totally agreed with her. And I said, I've just, I don't know why, but I've just got this idea about this guy who works in a toll booth and he just sees people coming and going all day going off into a tunnel and he he's not going anywhere he's stuck in the biggest rut I mean he works on a toll booth and she was like that's it I know that's it that's the idea and that's where it came from so I had this guy because I'm from Liverpool and there is the Mersey Tunnel in Liverpool that goes from um, the city of Liverpool uh, um, across the water to the Wirral and uh, that makes up the whole of Merseyside and I created this character who sat in a toll booth at the Mersey Tunnel, just watching people go through a tunnel and come out of a tunnel all day. Gosh, that's so depressing. And he always just wondered, where are they all going? I'm not going anywhere. So I had him. And then because I'd, you know, not, not long moved from Dubai, I thought, well, let's throw in an expat from Dubai who's lived all over the world. And I based this female character, Zara, on she is a mix of so many people I met out in dubai and a little bit of me there as well probably the annoying side of her that's me (laughs) but there's so much about zara that are she's no not no one specific but she's a lot of girls i met especially when i first moved out to dubai and you know the way you make so many friends when you first move out there you just it's so easy to make friends it's not hard it's not easy to keep hold of like those true friendships and you end up you know with a core group of brilliant friends but when you first move out there and you're just friends with everybody and you go to the mall and I felt like I knew everybody and she's a mix of all these people and I thought well wouldn't it be interesting if this guy in the toll booth somehow met this expat who's lived all over the world and that's where the idea came for that love it and that's so-
1: never- um, so two, I've got two questions. dying to know, because I know people are probably listening, going right. Okay, I feel like I've skipped a step on how did you get the agent. So that's the same agent from the second book you, you wrote. So securing an agent's one of the hardest things. So how did that come about? And then we'll go back into then how did you actually get it published?
0: Yeah, it's a question I get asked a lot. Most people who want to write books um, message me and ask me how did you get an agent. So it's it's um, it's a really good question. So. During my master's, we were taught about um, literary agents and how to approach them. We also, we we were lucky enough to have talks with some literary agents. So that second book that I wrote, the one that secured me, The Literary Agent, it was actually um, part of my dissertation for my master's. And you had to write something like 50,000 words of a novel or a novella. So... I wrote that and it, they all got put into a competition. It was called the Curtis Brown Award. Now, Curtis Brown is a huge agency. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of it. And they, you know, they represent, they have an acting division. They have a, a books division. They're, they're absolutely huge. And um, it was amazing. I actually won the Curtis Brown Award that year. Mm-hmm. So I was then able to, you know, I was in touch a lot with the Curtis Brown agents. And they said, you know, we'd love you to finish the book and then we can make a decision. And it just it it didn't work out with them in the end. But I had at least I had the award then to I was able to approach other agents. Now, what we were taught was don't just blanket email 50 literary agents, because every literary agent is so passionate about their set of authors. So go in specific, do your research. You know, you can, I mean, it's so easy to research now because of Google and because of websites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even then, even though obviously Google and websites were around 15, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't as easy as it is now. So I had something called the, it was the, it was the Writers and Artists Yearbook.
1: It's a big yellow book. Yes. I bought book. it before,
0: years ago I bought it, yeah. So that book is is brilliant. It's like the Bible for, um, for, for writers. And it tells you what, the, what literary agents, um, what they represent. Yeah, the genre. So, yeah, exactly. So you can go right in and say, this is what my book's about. I, I think it, we, we, we could be a really good fit for each other. And you send three chapters or, you know, you send the first 50 pages of your novel to them. And that's what I did. I, I selected about five and I did get one who responded, yes, we'd be a perfect fit for each other and about a year down the line it didn't work out again it just she couldn't sell the book she actually lost faith in me which was really sad um they were her words which was re- that was real that was a real blow wow she said I've lost faith in that book Which she said if you ever write anything again please send it to me so I thought well that means our working relationship at this moment is up mm-hmm. so it I was really disheartened after that and Luckily, my company in Dubai, my theatre school, had just was up and running and it was doing really well. And I think I focused on that for a while. And um, being on Dubai Eye on the radio, that that was that was a really lovely uh, job as well. So I sort of let the writing go for a little while because that really upset me, losing that literary agent or her losing faith in me, were her words. And because I hadn't done anything different. I'd just given her the book that she loved. She tried to sell it. It didn't sell and she'd lost faith. So it wasn't like I'd done anything. So it was, it was a really difficult time actually thinking back. Mm. And then I, I don't know where it came from. I just got this urge to contact a few more literary agents. And it was probably a year later. And I, cause I remember I was sitting, cause I used to live in the greens. And I remember the day I sat in my apartment in the greens and I just, I, I th- actually, I think I found three literary agents. And I just sent the same book to three literary agents, and forty minutes later, I got this email from this this lovely woman called Camilla, and she said, "This is I just clicked on it, and I've just mesmerized for the last forty minutes. Please can you send me the rest of your manuscript?" So I sent her the book, and about a week later, I had a contract in the post, and I'm still with them today and I have the most wonderful relationship with her. she's amazing. I consider her as a friend as well as an agent, and she when she couldn't sell that book, we worked together on the next one and then the next one. And even now, we have these brainstorming sessions together that go on for hours. We're just on the phone to each other for hours because we just get on so well. And so it was hard to find the right one. But when you find the right one, you just know because you get on so well. They, it's almost like they can read your mind. Mm. You know, She can't write books, but she knows how to get the book out of me. And she knows when I'm going off on a tangent When she knows when I, she needs to say to me, Hayley, whoa. OK, you know, because sometimes my ideas can be a little bit, you know, a bit too bizarre. And she's like, OK, you, you're going into that world now. Come on, come back, come back. And she's so good for that.
1: Because you'd written that whole book because a lot of people I think and I think I've read somewhere, you know, you don't need to write the whole book, just no. write the first chapters. But you'd actually written the whole of the first book.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would I would always recommend someone to write the whole book before they approach people because oh, interesting. you need to know where it's going. You need to know where it's going. And if you can't write the whole book, if you really think your first four chapters are so solid that you're happy to put them out into the world, if you're really confident that, because, you know, you're going to get criticism left, right and centre, even, gosh, you know, the best books in the world, you go on something like Goodreads and there's people you know, giving it one star, two stars. I didn't like this because you're talking about one of, you know, some of the best books ever written, most of those famous books out there. So if you're happy to put yourself out there and face whatever is going to get thrown your way, great. Send those four chapters, but know where it's going. Know where the synopsis, have your synopsis and your synopsis, what you send to an agent shouldn't be full of um, surprises. It should be, you know, in the beginning, this happens, and in the middle, this happens. And at the end, they die. You know, let's not, you know, don't say, oh, and then what's going to be left to fate? The agent doesn't need to know that. The agent needs to know what happens in the story. They need to know, is this a book that I can sell? That yeah. they're not there for the pleasure of reading it and being surprised like a reader. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you don't want to write the whole book, but you, are, you want to go in and approach an agent, have your synopsis solid. And it could change. That's absolutely fine. When I got my book deal for my two books, I got my book deal with them. They loved Never Saw You Coming. And that's what they took it on because that, that was the only book I'd written for them at the time. They said, we're going to give you a deal if you change the ending. <laughs> so I had to change the ending. Yeah. So how, how it actually ended didn't end originally like that. So... I'm not saying your synopsis is going to be absolutely set in stone, but you need to show them that you can you know, form a, a, a fully rounded story. It's much easier to start your book and get four chapters in, but actually plotting, getting to the middle, resolving the issues, giving the reader a satisfying ending, all that is harder than the opening. Mm. So you need to know where it's going.
1: And did you sign a sort of like three book deal? Was it
0: just one? Because you've, you've done the second one quite quickly. Yeah, so it was a two book deal. Okay. So they're both out there now. Yeah. And uh, so it was a two book deal. My second book, they didn't need to know what my second idea was, which was lovely because they were just, they just, luckily they just really like never saw you come in so much. And then I sent, I'd already signed the, the deal and, but I just knew I had to deliver a new manuscript of a, of a new book at a certain date in the future, which was actually not that far ahead. I had to actually ask for an extension because it was when my daughter was born. That's when they wanted <laughs> the first draft. And I was like, um, <laughs> that's going to be a bit difficult. So, But I'm glad how it all worked out because they both still came out really, really quickly, really close together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually sent three ideas to the editor at HarperCollins and she chose the one of the three that she thought would be the best. And that happened to be Love Almost. So that was that one. Yeah.
1: What is a common myth about sort of the role you're in now or being an author that you kind of want to debunk? I really like that question because I think, you know, it's the world of social media and just often portrays roles and stuff that we do. And it's just not (laughs) like that. So... What is something in your new world that you would go, this is just a load of rubbish?
0: Okay, so the sitting and writing the book part, I think I used the word earlier, whimsical, whimsical. People seem to think that, you know, writing a book is, you know, you can sit outside a cafe in Paris. <laughs> would you remember that part in Love Actually? When uh, any yeah. in his, I mean, the thing is, he goes to this idyllic house in the south of France or whatever, doesn't he? Because he's already a best-selling author. But then he still has, you know, the trouble that like the weather can throw at him and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they sitting in these, you know, these coffee shops and writing and it all being very, very whimsical and lovely. The life of an author is really lonely mm. because you have to get to know these characters So well, so well. You need to know everything about them, even the small characters. You need to know everything about them. Otherwise, if you don't, how is anyone else going to? It doesn't matter how someone else perceives it, but you, as the author, need to know the answers to all of these questions. So these are all stuck in your head so much. You can't just talk to people about it. It's like, you know, talking about your dreams to people. You're just going to bore people senseless. My poor husband, you know, he knows when I'm off on one, just having to talk about a scene I'm writing or a you know, a plot hole or a character because, bless him, he listens or I think he's listening. He doesn't respond much. He just knows I've got to get it out there. But he, he does at least pretend he's listening. And that's all I need because I just need to get it out because, you know, yeah, you're just stuck in your head a lot. You don't have colleagues that you can say, you know what, I need to bounce this idea off you. It's sometimes nice. I'll, I'll sometimes have a chat with another writer that I know. Mm-hmm. We'll have a chat, but then I don't want to eat into their time either you know with just my characters that I'm thinking of so it can be really really lonely and also when you're at home and you're working from home which we've all had to do over the past year and I've been working at home with small kids in the house I find it really hard to work when there's stuff that needs to be done in the house and I'm sure a lot of people think this it's not just writers you know if there's a bit of washing that needs doing I just need to do it before I sit and write and that cup that cup's empty I better take that into the kitchen before I write. There's everything, everything. All life admin needs to be done. You know, if I need to book my kid into a into a holiday camp or if I need to check something at the bank, I need to do it all before I sit and write. I need like a clear head. So sometimes you get nothing done. Yeah. So there's so all like, not like you've got a boss on your shoulder saying, Right, we need the figures by midday. <laughs> or, you know, we're gonna have this team meeting at four o'clock. You are just left to write and you have this deadline for in three months' time. And you know, you need a lot of um, a lot of self-motivation, you need yeah. a lot of a lot of discipline, and it really isn't for everybody because you just get very much stuck in your head. You know, yeah. I can't sleep when I'm really in the thick of writing a book because I go to bed and I think about what the characters are going to do next. so I, I just can't switch off from that. I always think it's going to send me to sleep, but it, you know it actually mm. has the opposite effect. But um it's almost like during the day you don't have time to think. It's the only time it's quiet is to formulate in the in the quietness
1: of the night. Um yes. so how how well have the, the books done? Did they stay on on like Amazon bestsellers? Did it reach the well in the UK it's not the New York
0: Times, it would be the Sunday Times. Is that what you would yeah. aim towards? It's definitely definitely something I'm aiming towards. I mean, a lot of books can be actually out for a long time before they hit those lists. The debuts that hit the bestseller lists, this is like a debunk as well here. Um, they have huge campaigns behind them, huge. Now, there are debut novels coming out all the time. Debuts get a nice push. Second book's not so much mm. because there is the, the whole thing about the debut, the, even the word sounds nice, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Coming out. And then it's like the second book just doesn't have that ring to it, which is really annoying. That's what the whole, se- it's the whole second album thing, isn't it? The fear of it not being as good as the first. Which one do you um, think is better, the first or the second book? So uh, the first is lighter, is more lighthearted, and the second is more serious. I think from a writing point of view, I'm going to say the second is better. Okay. I, I dug a lot deeper for the second one. And I think there was because of that fear that it could it, it needed to be. If, if it was as good as the first, I was going to be happy. So I think I really pushed it was a really difficult subject matter so I really it was like I need to do this justice mm. and I really had to deep, and it was difficult so I think overall and I think from looking I know I shouldn't use other people's opinions to sway my own but the reviews I'm very lucky across the board for both books have been fantastic mm-hmm. I'd say 80% for both is four and five star review but it's great because you can't believe everyone exactly oh yeah you really can't and that's very hard to it's a hard pill to swallow but I think with the second one it's more consistently the same kind of opinion whereas the first one had quite a lot of divided a lot of people really didn't like Zara so it jarred them but I I purposefully wrote Zara like that so when people say they didn't like it I was like well that's kind of kind of the point <laughs> you're meant to like when you're in you're not in a movie and it's the same
1: thing you're yeah. like I don't like that person well they're acting it really well like you're kind of supposed yeah. to
0: Absolutely. Because also then, the, so the, by the end, when she goes through this transition in her life, you go, yes, well done, Zara. You know, that's what I, I wanted. and um, But I think with love almost, consi- it was more consistently, the praise was more consistent for it. And I think I feel like I just took it up a notch mm. with love. It's more playful and more fun in Never Saw You Coming. And I don't, I, I, I love it dearly. I probably love it more. Than Love Almost, but I think standard wise of the writing is probably it's that little bit better, and I think just because it's come with experience,
1: yeah,
0: you know, um, that it, 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 it's better. I feel like I know it better as well at the moment because I read the audiobook for Love Almost, yes, but I didn't read the audiobook. Would for you recommend such. that? Would I recommend that reading e- Yeah, 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 I oh, thought so, really fulfilling, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's different. I mean, I'm a trained actress, so it wasn't so daunting. But I couldn't read Never Saw You Coming because the male character was from Liverpool, which I'm from. But I, obviously, I didn't want to play a male character um, when I could get a brilliant male to do it. And then the female character with Zara, she had that that sort of transatlantic expat accent. Mm. That's, uh, you know, a little, little bit Arab, a little bit American, a little bit... English because she went to English boarding school and I just I knew there was someone out there who could really nail it so and the girl that did it really did I was I could have given it a go but I don't know if I could have kept it up consistently for a whole book good. Love All, the character is she's just got my accent she's from oh. Liverpool it's not a totally strong accent that she's got and she's about my age so yeah it, it was it was a good fit
1: yeah and so what's next for you I saw someone, uh, one of your reviewers, maybe it was on Amazon, had, had written, please say you're
0: writing your third book. So, <laughs> so are you? So, well, yes. Um, actually, it's not a book I'm writing at the moment. I am writing a musical. Ooh. Yes. Which makes <laughs> sense because that's, you know, where yes. you started on the stage. Okay. It feels great. I'm not writing the music or the lyrics. I mean, I'm, I'm not a composer and I'm not a lyricist. I'm writing the script. I'm writing the book for the musical and it's a new job. It's just the contracts just come through now. So I'm super Mm. excited about it. Uh, We don't know when or if it will go on because of, you know, we know the theatres aren't open yet, but it's a really exciting team that I'm working with and it's just good to get it done now while things are quiet so that hopefully when, the theatre world opens up again, we can get into a rehearsal room and start workshopping it. So that's that's where all my writing energy is going at the moment, which is good because, you know, I've been having so many chats with my agents about what the third book's going to be about, what the third novel's going to be about. And I think a lot of writers are feeling like me. We're really unsure, especially contemporary writers. I don't write historical fiction. I write contemporary stories about real people. And I don't want to write about anything set in coronavirus world and i'm almost kind of waiting for waiting for it to blow over a bit more and see what people want to read before i make a solid decision about what i'm gonna you know Mm. devote my life to writing next so i'm so happy i've got the musical to be writing while i can be processing some other thoughts what i don't want to do and what i spoke to my agent about is i just didn't want to rush into a third book never saw you come in love almost they both came out within nine months. I mean, that's incredible. I, it was quick and then it's done. And I'm like, gosh, they're both out there now. And the pressure to write this third book felt like, okay, I've got to sit down and, you know, just bash out a new book. And I said, I think that's wrong. I think, I don't think I'd write something good right now because, you know, I've been locked up in a flat for months and haven't been anywhere. And people and places give me inspiration. Yeah. There will be a third book but I want to do this musical first and get a good solid idea before I tap away at another book right now.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so we'll just wrap up. How can people find you, learn, what's your progress, um, What's your social media handles? If you got your own personal branded website, fill us in and, and let
0: us know. So, I mean, I'm mostly found on Instagram these days where all the cool kids are. Yay. <laughs> they're all on TikTok, aren't they? I don't understand what that is. No. So on Instagram, I'm Haley Dolly. Dolly was my nickname. Um, I think it's because I used to wear a lot of vintage dresses and dresses. Oh, nice! I looked a bit. So, um, Haley Dolly, I am on Instagram, and yes, um, follow me, chat to me, send me messages if you want to know more about my books. That's great. There's loads of information about my books on my Instagram. Um, I'm at Haley D Writes on Twitter. You can always contact me there, and I do have a Facebook book club. Mm. So. Anyone is welcome to join. It's just Hayley Doyle's book club. Just send me a message and you can join. And the book club is, there's absolutely no pressure to read anything that's recommended. It is just a safe space to talk books, to look for recommendations, see what you fancy ask questions, and there's also some great book giveaways on there. I mean, I've just given away some signed copies of my books. I've got another book here from a, a brilliant new writer. It's looking at me right now that she's signed, and I'm going to be putting that out in a few weeks. So there's loads of book giveaways and lovely chats on Hayley Doyle's book club on Facebook. And you can order my books, the usual places, on Amazon. Um, Amazon.ae will deliver really quickly in the UAE. And um, places like uh, Bookworld and McGrady's, uh, will if they don't have it in stock now, they will definitely order it in for you in mm-hmm. Dubai.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. And for those that have been listening, thinking I have a book in me, then I would love to know if you've been inspired by Hayley's journey.
0: Um, let us know, leave a review. Just do it, just write it. You know, even if it's just for you to read for now, just, just, just get started. No one else is going to write that book for you. You might have the idea for the best book ever. But that's, that's no good. You've got to just, just sit and write it. Just do it. Just do it
1: in the true forms of marketing and Nike. Thank you so much <laughs> for your time. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for being here and listening to this episode today. Were you inspired? What was one takeaway that you can go away and put into action? I really want to hear from you. So head over to Instagram. I love to hang out there. I'm Kelly Lundberg official. Come and say hi. Drop me a DM. Tell me the best part. Or screenshot this. Share it with a friend and inspire them too. We are growing weekly and it is all down to you. Thank you so much. Reviewer of the week left this message great new podcast i've been waiting for kelly to launch her own podcast series after following her own journey from stylist to personal branding consultant the podcast doesn't disappoint from cfl thank you so much so your ratings and your reviews mean so much so drop one into apple podcasts and leave one there for us and don't forget be inspired and keep following those dreams until next time bye for now